lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Here on Blaze TV radio and podcast, I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. There is Aaron McIntyre. And Blaze TV contributor, friend of the show, Jill Savage is here with us. She will be joining us momentarily for the Dace Group, your weekly look at the week that was. We'll get into feedback Friday as well. We'll get some of the responses that you have responded to us with. That and more coming your way on the program. Looking forward to it, including... Given all of the cannon fodder that the overturning of Roe provided, I am sure a very meaningful bleep Lord Nefarious says here in just a couple of minutes. This part of the show, though, is brought to you by our friends over at Scoremaster. Hey, when interest rates on a 30-year fixed interest loan double in eight months, yeah, you, you, literally, you learn every point counts, and that's why... Make sure you are maxing out your credit score with our friends over at ScoreMaster. They can show you, yeah, the credit companies will now at least give you your credit score for free, but will they show you exactly why you have that credit score? And then will they take it a step further and show you how to get to the score you need or want and how long they think it'll even take? We used ScoreMaster last year to get to an obscenely low interest rate uh, by maximizing my credit score, so we've seen it work which is why we would recommend that you give it a shot as well. It takes just minutes to try it for free to see how many points you can add to your credit score, and then you decide if that's sufficient enough for you to sign up from there for the help to get there. When you go to scoremaster.com slash Steve, again, that is scoremaster.com slash Steve. And now it is time for the day's group. Your weekly look at the week that was begins as it always does with bleep, Lord Nefarious says. I'm going to f- dumpster dive behind these f- abortion clinics. Take those f- mushy little gummy bear looking f- and eat them right in front of you. I'm going to blend them into a smoothie, eat them right in front of you. I'm going to be eating these little big babies. And what are they going to do? Cry to God about it. <laughs> What's God going to do? Strike me down with a lightning bolt like Zeus? Dude, Zeus will beat the out of a Christian God. There's no point in saying good morning because it certainly is not one. Let's have a conversation. Calm down. Let's incite. No, let's okay. not have a Calm conversation. Down. Calm down, worthless little sack of I guess the pandemic's over. What's wrong, sir? You like killing babies? You love killing babies? Yeah, I love killing babies. You love. See this turnout here? You ain't seen nothing yet. Women are going to control their bodies no matter how they try and stop us. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. We are working with uh, uh, supporters on the ground to make sure that. We are providing services to women where we can. Uh, We are looking into everything, including assisting in transportation, something that HHS doesn't typically do. Can you do that legally? Uh, Talk to me later. Uh, (laughs) That does not absolve 
this far right racist uh, 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 sexist Supreme Court that made this decision. Yeah, it's listen, it's a heartbreaking betrayal of half of the country. Sorry, I'm getting, you know, watching the women there. It's emotional. You know, we're used to the Supreme Court granting rights, same sex marriage, you know, sort of um, in reinterpreting things. This is a specific right being taken away. That vulnerability will be uh, disproportionately bore by uh, our most marginalized. This is a matter of life and death for our LGBTQ siblings. Gender-affirming care is life-saving, medically necessary, age-appropriate, and a critical tool for healthcare providers. As a pediatrician, when it comes to making sure kids are healthy and happy, I know how important care that affirmed someone's true identity can be. Do you feel like Roe v. Wade was constitutional in the first place? Uh, I don't care about the Constitution, <laughs> to be completely honest. I really don't care. Indeed, we know, and that's the problem. Here we are. So let's get to the first question. And uh, Jill, as the guest and also the lady, you get to go first. What was the foulest stench of the week that Aaron just highlighted for you and why? Uh, Well, it's all just demonic, bro. That's this week in a (laughs) nutshell. But when you look at it, obviously it's going to be everything with Roe v. Wade. And it's the way that the media is characterizing what happened, that media and elected officials are saying, oh, you had a constitutional right taken away from you how do you live in a society where they are flat out lying to you that the fact that the 14th amendment has the right to privacy never ensured you for the right to kill your child they are lying to you every step of the way for me it's very hard to reconcile and i know that that woman said i don't care about the constitution she goes on to say i would rather have it you know go back and and vote in my states They all say this is the worst thing that's ever happened to democracy when, in fact, it going from a federal body into you being able to vote in your state is the essence of democracy. You get to choose in each of your own states how you want to go about living your life. That's correct. Absolutely. Here's the problem, though. That's correct on virtually every issue. It is, um, it's healthcare to, uh, to, to poison people uh, with a vaccine that doesn't cure. Uh, vaccines now don't inoculate and don't cure uh, and uh, make you sicker. Um, borders are, uh, the border is closed when it is overrun. Uh, crime is down when the prisons have been emptied. Uh, women are liberated when men become women and take their place. Should I go on? I mean, that's that's the issue. I mean, this isn't, you know, we're over here like, you know, uh, wearing yellow jackets on a runway with orange cones trying to pilot the other side onto the runway of debate. Hey, we're over here having a debate. You know, they're, they're over there, you know, lining up guns, target acquired. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're debating. We're debating over here. There we are. Just howitzer in the place, flamethrowing it. 
And we're over here asking for a disputation. We're playing checkers. They're playing Calvin Ball. <laughs> nice. Todd, go ahead. You know, there's a lot of heinous in there. Uh, black mayor of Chicago uh, going full on uh, Uncle Tom with Clarence Thomas. Uh, there is the drag uh, nonsense. There is not caring about the Constitution. I But... All of that is possible because of the likes of Nancy Pelosi and what she is allowed to get away with at the highest level. There is a fantastic scene from the pontificate of Pope John Paul II where he made a trip to Central America. I don't remember which country. Uh, and liberation theology was uh, very big at that time. Uh, priests getting involved in leftist politics. And the Pope's plane lands. And on the runway, there are many dignitaries waiting, in- including Catholic um, uh, bishops, priests, etc. The Pope, patiently, shaking hands. And he know- when he gets to this one priest who has been very active uh, in that effort, he instantly, and you can find this on YouTube, he instantly, right there, chastises him, points his finger on him. This priest gets on his knees, literally gets down and begs for forgiveness. Fast forward to today. Dobbs, Grover Turn, Nancy Pelosi, by her uh, archbishop in San Francisco, told do not take communion. She's already excommunicated herself before this. So what does she do? She not only here in the States took communion, but she manufactures a trip to the Vatican. And the Pope receives her. But the, a Pope that, as far as we know, has not said anything about that Dobbs decision, but receives her and she takes communion in St. Peter's. All of the other ugliness is possible because of this look at the gap between pope john paul ii and what just happened with pope francis and now put it Stephen aaron uh in your churches simultaneous with this what's going with the the guy um the baptist you, you just mentioned him yesterday. russell moore russell moore thank oh. you but you know it, as steve has said everybody's got their pope and you know it, the gap between what the church would do, like, yeah, okay, separate, a version of separation in church and state is obviously something uh, that exists on, on some level to protect one another. But once you guys get crazy, we're going to deal with you. I can't stress enough, every bit of crazy uh, that happens in this montage over and over and over again ultimately falls in the lap of those who claim to be Christians and have totally re- redefined that to mean absolutely nothing at all. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not, Aaron, good luck following that. I was about to say, I'm not sure how I'm going to follow that. But um, <laughs> along the lines, I, it's it's these days, remember when we used to have this week's sign, the apocalypse is upon us. <laughs> no. Remember that? That's so, this wow. week's sign, the apocalypse was upon us. And you'd be lucky if you got some, if, in, in my position, some morsel of like... Uh, Oh, how did you push it, push it uh, or put it? I should say uh, some um, you know moss uh, infected rock or whatever yes. is crawling from the depths of hell today or this week. 
I was lucky if I got something that was like compelling and good to illustrate how crazy the spirit of the age uh, had become. That's Tuesday and Monday and Thursday and Wednesday and today. That's every single day. That's the air that we breathe right now. And at the cacophony of that just absolute demonic chaos, we lose sight of the fact that Ayanna Presley believes... This is a life or death. Being able to kill your baby is a life or death decision for Richard Levine. You cannot argue with that to your point. You can't argue with that. Can't entertain it. Can't have some private island. You can't have some annexation out in the middle of the ocean. As Dave Mastio found out this week you either confront it or it will destroy you it will Mm -hmm. consume you Mm -hmm. you got to destroy it it must be defeated one way or another on a scale of one to ten with one being the odds that aaron will successfully smoke two pork butts this weekend and ten being the odds that lindsey graham will successfully smoke two butts this weekend Rank this week's level of total depravity, Jill. Uh, nine. It was still a good week. They're not going to dimmer my light. I like that. <laughs> nine is a good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. I like that. Ten. 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 Jill, I want to preemptively apologize to your dad for that. So, but I couldn't resist. Before we get to post-Roe politics with uh, issue number two, great time for me to remind you about a film that yours truly did a cameo in a few years ago that ended up being very prescient because the arguments in this film that take place in a local courtroom uh, are going to be taking place now in local courtrooms all over the country with the overturning of Roe. And the name of the film is Order of Rights. It's available for rental or purchase right now on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, iTunes, Google, Vudu, and Vimeo, and it's won all kinds of independent film awards, pro-life film awards. And and the reality is that these are now the debates and arguments with the overturning of Roe. These are going to be taking place in state and local district courts all over the country for the foreseeable future. So if you want to get, rent the film, you can also just check out the website, watch the trailer, get more information. Orderofrightsmovie.com. Again, that is Order of Rights movie.com so let's get to that issue too shall we the politics of post row the overturning of roe v wade sent a shockwave across the u.s and around the world both culturally and politically as far as the latter goes in the long term what seems most likely is that every red state and most purple states will enact some form of curtailment of baby killing on their populations. Prior to last Friday, most of Europe had more stringent laws against baby killing than the United States. That's already changing in many states, including Missouri, the first to completely ban abortion, Oklahoma, and South Dakota, just to name a few, where baby killing, as I said, has been banned outright already or has been heavily regulated. In the short term, it remains unclear what impact, if any, the ruling will have on the midterm elections. Most recent issue polling on what the electorate's priority list is show baby killing is very low on that list, with the economy being the most important thing to voters. All right, let's start the first question here, Aaron. I'll start with you. Uh, so you can be the pace car this time. They don't have to follow anybody. What is more likely to happen? 
that the overturning of Roe v. Wade reignites a dormant Democratic base in time to make a difference in the 2022 midterms, uh, that it or that it cements Trump as the fait accompli frontrunner for the GOP nomination in 2024 since his justice has made it happen. Or if you think it's neither, feel free to explain why as well. I think it's far more likely that it cements Donald Trump as the 2024 nominee. Now, that doesn't mean that I think it's, it went from 50% to 99%. It might have been 30 to uh, 40% uh, that, he's, he, uh, that he's more likely <laughs> to be the nominee in, in 2024. But I think across the board, you know, the, uh, the leftist incels that we saw twerking last weekend— um, you know, they are legion, but I think the people I think the people who are more concerned about how they're going to put food on their table and how the cost of their uh, July 4th cookout, Independence Day cookout, is going to be, what, $10 more or what have you than it was last year, I think there are even more of those people that right now the present, uh, the present uh, top of mind thing is, uh, I got to figure out how to eat, I got to figure out how to provide for the family, so I, I think in terms of, of timing, again, this is one of the things where four-dimensional chess four-dimensional chess is uh, being played right now by somebody who's only the only being in the universe who's capable of playing four-dimensional chess, which is uh, God. Uh, the timing of this row news in, 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 in an environment where the forces of hell really have a hard time marshalling because other things are top of mind, are more top of mind than baby killing could not be better timing for that. Obviously, don't want people to suffer economically, but in terms of the timing, I think it's better. So I, I think it's far more likely that it's cemented Donald Trump as the 2024 nominee. Doesn't mean he's completely cemented, but far more likely that's that's the effect of this. Jill? I'm going to say neither. And I'm going to say that Biden, we already know his voter base is the suburban women. So he's not going to add anybody. He's just not going to lose what is now his base. And much to Aaron's point, every time I come on the show lately, I feel like I'm saying the economy is going to be so bad this fall that nothing else will matter. So the never let a crisis go to waste group isn't going to get anything politically out of their top issue. And that could not make me happier going in to a 4th of July weekend. Uh, But on the Trump side, a month or two ago, we had a conversation about how can hardcore conservatives and squishy rhinos get elected in the same cycle. And we came to the conclusion because Fox News says so, right? We all know Hannity got Oz onto the ballot and Steve, your point earlier this week shouldn't be overlooked. The fact that there is no Rush Limbaugh, Drudge isn't relevant, Fox News will likely be split. I think that is going to be a very big thing with the rise of somebody like a Joe Rogan coming out and saying, DeSantis looks like a pretty good guy. We're going to have more and more of that, I believe. People coming in and seeing DeSantis as a a guy that says, you know, he looks like a pretty normal guy. I think they did pretty well in Florida now that we see all of, of what has transpired two years later. And a guy like Jay Cutler, he's not going to have a huge impact politically, but personally, he hangs out with Trump and his sons. And he recently went on his podcast saying, oh, I really like DeSantis. So if hmm. you have Trump's personal friends coming out and saying, yeah, you know, that DeSantis guy, the more that you hear over and over DeSantis, 
I think that, that that doesn't make Trump the fait accompli. And one of these questions you mentioned my dad earlier on the show, when I was eight or nine years old, Steve, I would ask, I was trying to figure out why doesn't DC solve any problems? And my dad said, well, they're not in the business of solving problems. They're in the business of getting reelected. Hmm. So the constant problem is, is a good thing for politicians. Well, Trump just solved one of the biggest problems. That's right? an he interesting did point. What he said he was going to do. Yeah. So now we can elect him and say thank you, or we can move into the next phase of this life fight. That's an interesting point. Todd, what do you think? I'm largely with Jill on neither, but since neither's been covered by her and Aaron took the Trump, I, I would lean the other way if I had to pick one in that row reignites the Democratic base in time to make a difference. Now, by reignite, not necessarily. And I don't know that you absolutely took that to mean close the gap or anything like that, but change the, I'm talking about an agent of chaos. Again, the, the, when the Constitution doesn't matter, when the press is whole hog in just flat out covering for whatever lie anybody wants uh, to tell, we, we can't necessarily know what level of chaos that brings to bear. As I've told you, I predicted uh, a qu quite a while ago that the, I, these 2022 midterms, I, I think we're going to have real problems with security at polling uh, stations, not not necessarily the 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 ballots themselves. Will you even be able to get in? Will you have uh, feel threatened to go? Will that suppress the vote? I I I don't know. But because there's so much uncertainty in how far they are willing to go in terms of these lies, I will I will just like because I can't see that clearly. I will choose Roe doing something to that. Hmm. So back in the '90s, uh, Dick Morris uh, when he was working with the Clintons. Uh, and helping Bill triangulate his way to re-election by moving to the center on several issues and away from the disaster of letting his wife basically run his first term that nearly cost him his presidency. Um, Morris made an observation that I think I've cited before in the past on the show, that if Roe versus Wade was ever overturned, Republicans would lose almost all of their Catholic support overnight. Now, if you know the history here, um, prior to Roe v. Wade, I don't, I couldn't find actually going back in history as long as we've kept this stat, which is back to basically Al Smith being the Democrat nominee a hundred years ago. I could not find a single presidential election prior to Roe that a Republican won a majority of the Catholic vote. Even Ike, as popular, universally popular as he was, the Democrats were the Catholic Party; they were the immigrant party. And keep in mind, in the early 20th century, most of the immigrants were Irish Catholics, Italian Catholics, things, you know, uh, people from Catholics from those countries. They were a predominant amount of immigrants and they voted Democrat until Roe v. Wade. So now we are living in a post-Roe world. Since Roe versus Wade, every presidential candidate that won a majority of the Catholic vote, except one, has won the presidency. The one exception was the hanging Chad year with George W. Bush in 2000. He very narrowly lost them to Al Gore. But other than that election, every time someone wins a majority of the Catholic vote, they win the presidency, which means Barack Obama won a majority of the Catholic vote twice. Bill Clinton won a majority of the Catholic vote twice. Al Gore won a majority of the Catholic vote. Joe Biden won a majority of the Catholic vote, right? So then, Todd, let's discuss that. Mm -hmm. Now that we are in a, in a formally, for, formally in an over Roe versus Wade overturned world, and Morris made this observation, you know, 20 some odd years ago, do you, how relevant do you think that is? 
moving forward. Like this year, I agree with Jill that the economy is going to be in so so much tatters that it's that other than Karen from the cul-de-sac, who the polling shows, she's going to hold on to Uncle Joe by her cold, dead labias. Okay, everybody else is letting it go. Okay, so um, Karen Karen from the cul-de-sac is going down swinging, but take away worst economy since the 08 meltdown. Give us a state of things from a Catholic vote perspective, because you guys are the Mm -hmm. you're the pivotal vote here. It's not relevant, but not because that wasn't right. I think that was very uh, good analysis back then. But now we don't know what a man or a woman is. We have drag queen story hour. We see the montage that that's going to be taking, you know, you can't just ignore that. So even if the church, even if the local archdiocese isn't strongly speaking out against that, the same kind of pre-existing voter that would have voted yes. against Democrats because of Roe will now substitute those issues for Roe. Is that what you're saying? Correct. In okay. the near term. Now, long term, I mean, if suddenly, poof, this goes away, we mm-hmm. return. Uh, yeah, I think this is the, and this is why my lament about Nancy Pelosi at the beginning, you know, the double-mindedness of the modern day Catholic is a concern. Hmm. Anybody else have any co- questions or thoughts about that since we brought it up? But Jill's Catholic, if I'm not mistaken. Are you? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I was just going to say to Aaron's point that he made at the, you know, his first comment, it was, oh, can I find something this week to say this is a sign of the apocalypse? Because we we all see all of the chaos around us. I think that this is actually going to be uh, something like Todd said, in the short term, it's not going to be a game changer against the Catholic vote on the right because- Everything else is around us. And honestly, Catholics don't want their sons turning into daughters and vice versa. And I think now the spirit of the age taking hold the way that it has will still ensure some some of the Catholics moving to the right. And another wild card in this as well is is the rumors of uh, the, uh, of the Pope's health as it is right now. Who, who knows? Who knows who we're looking at leading that leading that church in the next three or four years? Ask the white smoke. I know. Is he a bridge to the further embracing of progressivism, liberation theology? Or is he the Icarus that flew so close to the sun, the church will be like, we we, 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 we can't flirt with this any longer. We got to go back to former things here. I, I'm trusting the latter on that. But ultimately, that's Holy Spirit stuff. It's not mine. Could there be, could Republicans sell us out on enough issues that it would cost them in the midterms? Like I, at this point, I don't think there is literally anything Democrats can do to retain the House looking at the data. I just don't think it's possible. The Senate is a different story. I mean, Republicans have to win four out of seven states, uh, six of which Trump lost in the 2020 election. Mm. That, that's, that's a steeper climb. It's, it's still very favorable to them in this current environment. But there's a reason why the prediction markets have the Republicans at 95% to win the Senate or the House and 75% to win the Senate. Could they do enough like the gun sellout on red flag laws? Could they do enough no. to thwart no. themselves? No. It's like the video I saw the other day that I that I pointed out. The the, the video of the, the dude and the, the woman in the airport and the woman is just going uh, ape, just crazy and taking it out on other people and on him. And that's the Democrats right now. They're just trashing people. And the guy is just there like a simp. Oh, sorry, honey. It's okay. It's okay. That That's the Republican. Yeah. 
No, they, there's not a level of sellout that they could stoop to that uh, I don't think we're going to get there. It might be a little counterintuitive, but talking about cementing the Trump vote, actually Roe v. Wade, I think, cements more the landslide here now. This is the first federal vote since Trump got screwed. People want to take it out right now. And there's mm. no DeSantis here to distract them. But there is legitimately, pound for pound, as you said, Steve, the greatest politician certainly on the right in our entire lifetimes named DeSantis that that's unavoidable so that's why I don't think you can cement Trump role or not but right now I think that is cemented no matter what the Republicans do all right let's get to the exit question Joe I'll let you go first true or false Trump appointing the justices that overturned Roe v. Wade is a top three accomplishment by a GOP president since Abraham Lincoln I would say true. I would say when you look at it, Reagan and the Cold War uh, and then Trump, you know, for for us domestically in, in my lifetime, this is as big as it's been. If you go back all the way through Abraham Lincoln, you'd be tough to find a bigger issue that our side loves as you know, that wanted as much as this and their side digged in and, and tried to entrench it as long as they could. Aaron, pretty easy. True. Easy. True. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Wow, I thought there might be more pushback on that one. No. Well, I tried to go through it. I mean, I don't, I don't exactly know. If it's not off the top of your head, you can. Come, I mean, Reagan instantly came to mind. Yeah. How about uh, the fact that that the the majority of the presidents of the 20th century were Republicans, and it's very difficult to come up with. That's why a list of accomplishments. Yeah. Eisenhower desegregation would be somewhere close to the list, but other than that, yeah. What does that tell you? All right, we'll come back. We're going to have a a more of a big picture philosophical discussion here next. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network. Following the truth, no matter where it leads. The Steve Day Show. One of the things we try not to do on this show is directly ask you to consider donating to something that we ourselves have not uh, been willing to donate to out of our own pocket. Which is why I have no qualms at all about uh, suggesting you consider a tax-deductible donation to our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom. They argue, and often successfully, cases defending uh, our liberties, our God-given rights, uh, the Constitution, uh, all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. They have an impressive WNL record, and they represent all of their all of their clients pro bono, which means that funding comes from those tax deductible donations from people just like you and me. Our family has donated to ADF, which is why we would uh, urge you to consider doing the same. If you'd like to make a donation today, just go to adflegal.org slash Steve. Once more, that is adflegal.org slash Steve. All right, as we continue on here on the weekly look at the week that was, uh, I want to, as we get to, as we welcome uh, Jill back into the conversation here, I, I want to do issue three. I'll just keep it here for a few minutes, if that's okay. All right. Uh, watching, because I thought, Jill, you made a phenomenal observation about it wasn't just the, their opposition on the other side, but the way that that opposition was framed and total denial of the reality that we live in. I mean, these, these aren't irreconcilable viewpoints. These are irreconcilable realities. 
And so watching some of what you um, were talking about a few minutes ago, Jill, I put together the following thread on Twitter. And we're going to use this thread as kind of the launching off point for us to discuss. If you went to a country like Jordan, which is perhaps the most modern country in the Muslim world, and you told them you believe Jesus is Lord because the Bible says so, they would simply reply, we reject the Bible. They have their own counter sacred text over there. And that's exactly where I think Democrats are with the Constitution. I think the same thing that drives Democrats to reject the Constitution is the same thing that drives the Muslim to reject the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Possession, pun intended, uh, of a rival religious conviction. That is not to say that fealty to the Constitution requires a religious devotion to it like Christ, because it doesn't, but rather modern Democrats reject the Constitution with a rival religious devotion or zealotry, the way the Muslim also declares that Allah has no son. And to put a finer point on this, one side will cite the Constitution in its arguments. The other, sa- the other side doesn't care whatsoever about that same constitution. That means the social compact is therefore null and void when there are only two parties to it and one of them refuses to honor what was supposed to govern that compact. Which means, in my view, I think we are not a nation. We are on the brink here. So, first question, and Todd, I'll go to you this time. Do you view that this is an accurate description of the current state of things in our culture? Of course. Uh, and it damn well better become self-evident uh, to more people if you have any chance of your uh, children and grandchildren not existing in some form of bondage. Again, there's there's two sets of rules. Uh, they get to rule and you don't. Uh, no matter what you cite... Mm. No matter who you bring to your defense, it's just their narrative, period. Get on board or die on some level. And we're getting pretty darn close to literally, if that's how it has to be. Why do I know this? Am I being hyperbolic or do I just look at what humans have done to each other in human history? When one side just decides for everybody how things are going to go with no check and balance on itself. I mean, ultimately, all of us are vying for a set of rules that we think everybody should live by. But as we talked about uh, yesterday on the uh, Glenn Beck show, the, the founders said, hey, we want these rules to apply to us as well. We will be judged as well, and we want to be judged if we're wrong on this. Trust me, the woke leftists, they don't plan want to be judged about anything they want to humiliate you they want to embarrass you and you all in your comfort keep thinking that somehow you can either tiptoe through the raindrops or common sense will prevail or yada 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 you like i've said with vaccination specifically you're all a bunch of crack addicts you just need your fix of nostalgia or something just to keep the world flat It's not going to work. It's not because I'm smart that I understand it. It's because what Steve has told you about what Germany was before what Germany became in the 20th century. And it's happening right here. And utter and total darkness is right around the corner. Chill. They would love to put you back on the road to serfdom. And I think your tweets there, Steve, that is the definition of knowing what time it is, in my opinion, that... 
you either see that we're here on the brink, like you said, of, of being a nation or not. And and to all of Todd's cultural points, I completely co-sign, but I want to look at this from a different lens. If you look at law school now, this is the group of people that is supposed to go out there and uphold, you know, uh, the terms of the law in the Constitution. They don't even study it. They study precedent anymore. So how can a culture be expected to uphold this when those in law don't do it themselves? And on the other side, you have the military that goes out and fights and defends for the Constitution. We are lowering standards left and right. Now you don't need a high school diploma. You can have neck tattoos. Kids want to go out, join the Army, join the Navy, join the Marines. They want to go out there and fight for this country. And we believe that we're the biggest, baddest military in the world. We're here on the weekend of the 4th of July. I watched a George Washington documentary just a couple of weeks ago, and this has stuck with me for, for these last few weeks, that Britain... They thought they were the baddest on the planet at the time, but they became apathetic. We wanted freedom more than they wanted to keep us. Mm -hmm. And when you look at it in that documentary, and we've heard all these stories so many times before, but we weren't a well-funded army. We weren't a well-trained army. We had soldiers out there walking through the snow for miles without shoes to fight for our freedom from Britain. How many people would be willing to lay down that kind of a sacrifice, just saying, I want this so badly that no matter what, I will fight for this country. Now you're like, oh, the internet went out today. I'm, what, what am I even supposed to do? <laughs> you know, like, right. where are we as a country if we aren't willing to even look at our founding documents, we aren't willing to live this life and culture and our military they're throwing through the Navy these videos of pronouns instead of teaching them eight hours a day. This is how you fight and kill your enemy. Amen. Aaron. Yeah, I think it's an accurate, accurate diagnosis of, of where we are right now. I mean, kind of hearkening back to what I said a, a few minutes ago on the show, one side of this paradigm is sitting here playing checkers by the rules, you know, only move once per turn. And, uh, you know, if I hop over more of your guys than you hop over mine, then I win at the end of the game. They're over there playing Calvin Ball, which is that sport that uh, Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes makes up where it's different every single day. He just makes up rules as they go along. Whatever fits his little whimsical uh, notions uh, now rules the day. Uh, the other side has a gun pointed to our head while we say, no, 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 you can't do it. Constitution says you can't deprive me of life, liberty, or... We're, we're playing... They're playing a different game. They're, they're whose line is it enemy, a, a, anyway? To hmm. give you another another analogy, three analogies. Whose line is it anyway? The show where everything's made up and the points don't matter. They live in a different paradigm, a completely different reality, as you said, Steve. A completely different reality... Where essentially, I think at the heart of progressivism, and I've said this before, they would rather enslave you than kill you, but they'll settle for you being dead. That is what drives progressivism. It is just power, power, power. End of story. So exit question. Do you believe the Democrat Party would be in favor of having you as an individual, you talking to Jill Todd and Aaron, not the proverbial you, but you as individuals. 
Do you as individuals believe the Democratic Party would be in favor of having you incarcerated for what you believe if they could? Or are we not there yet? Jill. Uh, this wouldn't be a 10 for me on the scale, Steve. This would be a 15. They don't like our viewpoints. They're not going to try and rationalize it. They're, they're going through saying parents are domestic terrorists if they speak at board meetings. All you have to do is look through you know, some of our Twitter feeds and they'll say, oh, that person, can't have them out there. Put, put her in jail. Hmm. Todd? Well, because I've won a lot of uh, arguments at my local school board, I now have the local police following me around. Okay, uh, I get your point. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> they want me in jail. Point taken. I guess I just hadn't thought about that when I came up with that question. Aaron, what yeah. Todd said? Yeah. Yeah, what Todd said. Yeah, okay. All right. Before we get to our, our kicker question, a reminder about our friends at realestateagentsitrust.com. Obviously, buying or selling a home can always be one of the more stressful things you do in any market, but certainly in these unprecedented times. Bing. And in, indeed, let's go. Brandon's not making it in any easier, right? So make sure you find yourself a veteran, successful, credible real estate agent to help guide you successfully through the muck in the mire. And where would you find them? Well, we make it easy for you. Just head to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. Just about anywhere you want to go or get away from. We can help you find an agent that will help you get to the finish line at realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, so let's get to issue four, our kicker question this week. What is the best summertime jam? So Parade Magazine just came out with its top 10 summertime pop songs of all time. Here's the list. Number 10, Summertime Blues, Eddie Cochran. Number 9, Love is Like a Heat Wave, Martha and the Mandela's. Number 8, Boys of Summer, Don Henley. Number 7, Hot Fun in the Summertime, Sly and the Family Stone. Number 6, Here Comes the Sun, The Beatles. Number 5, Summer of 69, Brian Adams. One of my all-time favorite songs. That would be my pick. Number 4, Vacation, Go-Go's. Number 3, Summer in the City, Love and Spoonful. Number two, Schools Out, Alice Cooper, and number one, California Girls by the Beach Boys. Which one of these are you picking or are you going off the grid? Jill, I'll start with you. Uh, I will go with Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles, but Steve, to your point, The Summer of 69 by Brian Adams. I live in Nashville, and if you walk up and down Broadway, I promise you, you will be hearing that song sung all throughout the bars down here. I mean, that's that's got to be at least in my top 20 all-time favorite songs. You know, I'm going with... This list, California Girls, this is encouraging. Look at what the modern California girl is. This is an homage when things made sense. It was. Are un- there any California actual girls yeah, left? Exactly. What's a girl? But this is an unapologetic homage to like, you're girls and we're guys. And we really dig you. And once you understand that, you know, our, we, we become our best selves once we're trying to find one of you uh, specifically and hopefully uh, vice versa. It's it's just a simple, fun song about what really matters in life. Finding a girl who likes you as much as you like her and making a life together. I mean, I, I love this song. Okay. Aaron? I love how obviously a boomer put this list together. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for that crack yeah. from Jill. Yeah. Um, so if you put a gun in my head and and force me to pick off of that list. It would be the uh, Love and Spoonful, Summer in the City. I have that song stuck in my head literally every day going home from work on the interstate and just seeing the uh, the haze on these really hot summer days. If I had to go off the list, it's Calvin Harris. I, I, I can't even imagine going to a club 
somewhere and like mosh pitting to EDM music. But I love EDM and I love me some Calvin Harris. So uh, Summer by Calvin Harris. I've never heard of Calvin Harris in my entire life. That's because you're is a he a starting tailback for the Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, yeah. He Calvin is. Eagles. Yeah. Am I drafting him in my fantasy league yeah. this summer? Calvin he Harris. Do you- on things that I never thought I would hear Aaron ever say. I like EDM. I really do. I hate dancing. I just like What's EDM. What's EDM stand for? Emotionally driven music? Is, no, that like Lilith, is that like a Lilith Fair concert? Electronic dance music. Oh, is that what it stands yeah. for? Okay. Yeah. I really didn't know. Yeah, it's just... Some, some guys, media. I just hired my daughter to run my TikTok page. I don't want to learn anything new anymore. I'm done. I've, I've learned enough. I don't want to learn anything new. Nux? I'm in. I'm glad We're done you learning. Make me we do are that. officially done learning here. So we'll leave the learning to you, whippersnappers. All right. Let's get to our predictions. Jill, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to predict that Steve's new book, Why Thanksgiving, will not be a one off, but rather a series that this country needs. And, and you'll have to forgive me. It's only been a day that you have announced it. So I don't know the entire length of the title, but I know it's why Thanksgiving and people can go order it on Amazon now. Well, thank you. And if I do have to create a series, I'll have to figure out what that series will be because I put it all into this one and then we'll see what happens. Aaron, go ahead. Um, Republicans will only hold the Senate by one seat come midterm election after the midterm elections. 51-49? Yep. See, I think if they win it, it won't be like 54-55 seats. It's it's going to be, I, I mean, I can't, I don't think they can do better than 52 or 53. Best case scenario, we get gridlock for the next two years. Well, that's Congress. almost always the best yeah. case scenario. Yeah. Indeed. Todd? Neither Biden or Kamala will be the presidential nominee for 2024. I agree with you. Yeah. By the way, gridlock nowadays just means electing, or it used to mean divided government when we, when we were... Uh, Jill and Aaron's age. Those were the days. Gridlock now means electing a Republican executive who shares your values against the other Republicans. That's what gridlock means now. Yeah. Gridlock yep. used to mean divided government between Republicans and Democrats. <laughs> gridlock now means, hey, we got a Republican governor or president who actually is from our camp. And so they'll just uh, be gridlocked against the re- entrenched Republicans in the legislature in the Congress. Am I wrong? That's what gridlock now means. Let's start the weekend. <laughs> That's what it means now. It's like I asked a few minutes ago, are there any California girls left? Gridlock now means we won a primary and the rest of the Republican Party after that guy wins will now try to stop them. That's what it now means. Uh, My prediction for the week, man, I don't want to do this. Oh, not because it's negative, but because it's not, man. And I just, I have an incredible track record on negative predictions. I have a horrible track record on positive predictions. I hate to do this, but I will. The just-concluded Supreme Court session, I know people are rightfully not happy with the immigration ruling. You could spin that 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 was more about executive orders, I guess, than the immigration ruling itself. But on every other issue that really matters to us, with the exception of the military jab ban, they ruled the way we wanted them to, and even often the way we wanted them to do the ruling, like giving writing the opinions we wanted them to write. So my prediction is that this session has marked a clear shift for the foreseeable future of the court to the right, and that I believe all the protests and all of the threats have actually moved ACB and Kavanaugh to the right from what we saw their first years on the bench in response. 
and I hate myself for that prediction. Yeah, who are you and what have you done? Because it's going. Games? I'm going to get burned with this next year. I know it. I know it every time. Every time. Michigan's going 0 12 in football this year. That's my prediction now. <laughs> Jill, good to see you as always. All right, have a great weekend. You too. I hope you're right, Steve. All right, thank you. God bless. We'll come back, and it'll be feedback Friday when we return. The truth, straight, no chaser. Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Actually, we're technically not live. We taped this yesterday. So we have a long Independence Day weekend. But we, and, and technically, let's face it, we're also not really on demand. Or at least not in demand. So nothing you said right there Literally nothing I just said is true. Um... This is the Ukraine of Blaze TV shows. Nothing is true here. Hi, Cherry Girl. How are you? <laughs> nice. My, here's, uh, let, let's start with something true. My name is Steve Dace. I'm I think. happy to be here. Exactly. Thank wow. you. All right. <laughs> oh, I don't was, know what that was. It turns out, guys, we're, we're, moment in... we're, we're, it turns out we're even worse on tape. Who knew? Uh, you are Todd Erzin. Over there is Aaron. Todd Erzin and Friends. What did my phone's on mute on everything? It's is this uh, 2001 Space Odyssey? Good morning, Dave. That was so weird. It usually, was usually serious. Like uh, I didn't catch that this time. She was like, "I'm happy to be here." Yeah, so burn she, it with fire. So she was listening we, in when nothing was true. I'm happy to be here. Yes. Yeah, that sums it all up. Did you discover AI? Okay. All of a sudden, the next time it speaks, Todd's checking account number. <laughs> Or, you know, dude, I got you. Next time it speaks, 6, 18, 24. You know where I'm going with that. 4, 8, 15, 16. Uh, Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email us, steve at stevedace.com. D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe Parlor and Gab. Follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, Getter, and also over on TikTok and Instagram. And then you can get clips of the show that are free to watch and free of any censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. For those of you that are podcast listeners, I don't know, why do I motion to the podcast listeners? They're not watching. I do that all the time. I just noticed that. More lies. <laughs> it's all fake. We are your fake news. Uh, <laughs> this, this episode of fake news or not? Yeah. So I guess if I'm going to be true to the, to the podcast listeners, I should do this. Those of you that listen to the podcast, just look away. Um, please leave us a five-star review if you appreciate and like the show. Remember, if you have a question that you would like to be or like to have considered in a future Ask Me Anything, put it in your five-star review and you will go to the front of the line. Thanks to all of you that have already left us five-star reviews. Please remember to hit subscribe and follow as well. We continue to have strong iTunes ratings, the, the strongest we've ever had. So thank you all very much. We appreciate each and every one of you. Time for buy, sell, or hold. No, it's not. That was two days ago. Time for feedback Friday. How many more times are we going to screw this up? This is what happens when you host a three-hour show before yes, taping. Yes, you can tell we got some real senioritis happening here. We're ready for the weekend to start. We're getting sloppy here. Uh, let's start again. Feedback Friday brought to you by Home Title Lock. Imagine you were a real estate agent 
and you went on the MLS to see, hey, what new listings are out there, you know, and check what's going on in the real estate market in my community, and you're shocked to see your own house listed. This actually happened recently to a real estate agent in Arizona. Problem was, they weren't the ones that put it up for sale. A home title theft did, because that's what home title thieves do. See, I screwed up there too, but I totally turned around to make it look like I was trying to say that, but I wasn't. Uh, This is what happens with a fake title transfer for your home, and then they refile as the new owner. They can, if they're merciful, just take out loans against your home, or they can go all the way, like what happened in this case. Unfortunately, uh, neither your homeowner's insurance nor your mortgage lender can protect you, but this is what Home Title Lock does. It's a virtual barrier around your home's title so that the moment they detect anything nefarious... They will mobilize to shut it down. Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now. HomeTitleLock.com. Register your address to see if you're already a victim and you weren't aware. And then while you're there, get 30 free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. Are we ready for Feedback Friday? We are. Let's begin with Charlie who says, I'm a single father of three kids due to the loss of a custody battle. I get my three kids weekends every month during the school year and every other week during the summer when school is out. Because of this, I don't get a say in where they go to school, so of course my ex has decided to put them in the public school, where my teenage daughter has become absorbed by the spirit of the age through interactions with her friends and teachers at the local high school. She has friends who claim to be trans with pronouns and all, and she now boasts about being pro-baby killing. I met my teenage daughter when she was one, and I have raised her and loved her as my own. Today, as I was driving her to work, I decided to listen to your show on the way there. We both got to listen to your entire interview with Margaret Sanger. After the interview, I paused your show and began asking her questions about her thoughts on what she had just heard. She had never even heard of Margaret Sanger. When I summarized to her who Margaret Sanger was and what her beliefs were, the look on her face was utter confusion when I explained to her that the mother of abortion would have deemed her defective simply because she was the product of a one-night stand many years ago and born out of wedlock. Needless to say, the conversation the rest of the way was a tough one for her because her worldview was being questioned and riddled with holes. Before she left my car, I told her that I loved her and that I'm glad Margaret Sanger didn't have her way because my amazing oldest girl got to live and be in my life. This goes to what we were talking about, guys, doing Beck's show, well, earlier today. Uh, on today, Biden tells in, Americans to suck it up and just keep paying. Now you're now it's your not my turn next. OK, um, everything we got to finish. We got to land this plane stat, guys. <laughs> all right. It's coming apart. OK, give uh, it all. She's got captain. Yes. I got to censor that after the show, after okay. we get done recording. We got to figure out where the rest of the friggin dilithium crystals are. Yeah. That's what we got to figure out. But um, uh, this is what we were talking about earlier today when we did Glenn's show for Independence Day, the the loss of, of, of a legacy, the loss of a heritage. And Charlie, you know this, brother. You're, children like your daughter, children like a lot of kids, millions of kids in this country, were not intentionally made ignorant so that they would be free and free of God's plan with their life to self-actualize and reach the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs or Maslow's. No, that's not why they were dumbed down and made ignorant. It was so they could be slaves. It was so they could be controlled. And props to you for doing something, anything, to try to pierce that veil of darkness, brother. 
This is from Chris Hamilton. She's an RN. I am an RN in a fertility clinic in a major metropolitan university medical center. I gave the recent peer-reviewed study about decreased total modal count for semen to the medical director slash provider of our clinic. He wanted to know where I'd gotten a copy. I told him. He then gave it a cursory glance and mumbled something about three months. Mind you, this provider did not take the COVID jab, nor did any of his family. He's been skeptical of it from the beginning. He's a gem then. Hold on to him. He was ready to quit versus being forced to take it. These are the comments this provider recently made to us about a patient's semen analysis in our fertility clinic. Ready? Quote, his sperm analysis shows normal sperm counts, but decreased total modal sperm count due to borderline motility parameters. Most importantly, sperm morphology is now 0% with severe head and tail defects. Unquote. It would be interesting to have a study done regarding morphology, which refers to the size, shape, and appearance of a man's sperm, which when abnormal can decrease fertility. Although I can't confirm if this patient was vaccinated, most of the patients and spouses in our clinic are. This is just one example of recent abnormal semen analysis results. We also have had a patient of ours whom, who, who, who we impregnated that recently lost the baby at 26 weeks, and I know for certain that she was vaccinated. We are also seeing an uptick in the number of cancer patients coming to us before beginning chemo treatments for fertility preservation. And mind you, these are young patients. That's the thing. Remember, Aaron, when you made the point, Chester the Molester, man, retiree from the nursing home, ain't walking into the fertility clinic to do the five-knuckle chuckle on demand. No, these are supposed to be specimens, no pun intended. Indeed. Okay. Uh, Likewise, who's going to a fertility clinic to get impregnated? Karen, Karen with the dead labias and the cul-de-sac still voting yep. for Biden? No. The actual, you know, moms are doing it. People that can give birth. Okay? Young women. And they're seeing this kind of stuff. I realize abnormal semen results, stillborn births, and cancer diagnoses in young women occur all the time. But sometimes it's also true that if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it is a duck. And along those lines, I just got an email from somebody today. Let me see if I can find it here really quick and what should also be terrible radio while we're at it because someone else had sent me a note about what they were seeing in their clinic. Let me see if I can find it here. It's just a second. Here it is. Um, uh, I'm a fan uh, who's an RN. Just thought I'd let you know that we've had a weird slew of young females with rectal bleeding. And from what I've seen, they've all been jabbed. Any thoughts on that? I mean, I, I, I go back to asking again. If this were a purposeful depopulation scheme, what would they have done any differently? Listen, we're all culturally, individually, if you took this, this is the green mile. Dead man walking. Ugh. Just, it's a, our entire culture, I mean, at a molecular level, wherever you look, it is a ticking time bomb by design now, by design. See, I, your book that is now being turned into a movie, it, it could not possibly have been more prophetic about its main premise 
why, if the devil is trying to pull this off, is he telling everybody? And Steve, what's the answer to that? Because he knows he's already won. There's not, once you let go of that rope, that yeah. rope is, you're not holding on. It's not right. sliding through your hands. It is gone. No matter what lies you tell yourself, it is gone. It is going to take miracles to turn this thing around, folks. So pray and pray hard. Pirates of the Caribbean, awkward segue. Uh, one of the lines <laughs> Very at the random. Beginning, beginning of the of the movie, uh, Elizabeth Turner and and uh, Will. I'm sorry, Elizabeth Swan and Will Turner meet, and uh, and uh, uh, Will Turner says uh, something, 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 Miss Swan, and Elizabeth says, "How many times must I tell you not to call me? Or how many times must I tell you it's Elizabeth?" And uh, and Will says at least once more, Miss Swan. How many more days? How many more days? How how much longer will the a, a large portion of our country gaslight themselves? Because I I still believe, you know, as naive as this may be, it's really hard. When Uncle So-and-so and Mom and Cousin So-and-so and So-and-so from school or work, uh, they were all jabbed and they had a heart problem and they had abnormal bleeding and they had this and that. How, it's really hard to avoid connecting dots unless you just gaslight yourself. How much longer will this country continue to, to gaslight itself? And continually, the answer, a la Will Turner, at least one more day, at least one more day, just because the cost, because of the cost of, of not gaslighting yourself, of admitting what's really going on here is too high, I'll just let you jab me up until kingdom come, because hmm. I cannot, I cannot accept that. The cost of, of what accepting, accepting the notion that these are... Some form of poison is just too high. So we already shared with the audience on Glenn's show yesterday that uh, Daniel Horowitz, our colleague, our friend, uh, just got permanently banned from Twitter. We put the uh, quotation marks around there because we don't really know who's truly banned from Twitter or not until October when Elon Musk takes over. Then you'll start really getting yeah. answers. Okay. But to permanently banned for now, I guess is how we'll put it. So Daniel started a burner account over there called okay. Daniel Horowitz or Dan Horowitz fan at Dan Horowitz fan. Okay. And, and, and there's a tweet he has that I want to share with the audience, but the bio he put up there, guys, I got to read this to you. Okay. You don't regulate Pfizer. Pfizer regulates you, your body, my choice. Oh my. <laughs> the profile picture that he's got on there. Too. It's from him at a gun range or something. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, he gets it. He knows what time it is. It's literally him at a freaking gun range, guys. <laughs> Bunch of bullet holes in the background. <laughs> Gonna follow that right now. Right now, I need that in my it's blood. Great. Just hook it to my veins. It's great. It's just Dan Horowitz. At Dan Horowitz fan. Yes, that's what it is. So we we've talked about this before. It's just been a while. Walgreens, for whatever reason, 
one of the nation's largest drugstore chains to this day. For whatever reason, I don't know if somebody at Walgreens has just decided I, I actually still care about the truth. I don't know. Walgreens actually publishes a weekly update of its COVID positivity rates and then stratifies it by jab status and publishes it so you can see it. Would you like to see what the COVID positivity rates were for Walgreens? Because, of course, a lot of people are going in there getting tested constantly because of their jobs and everything else, right? Okay. Right. So this is positivity rate, not percentage of people, because some of you think you're going to be really smart. Oh, Dave, yeah, Dave. My majority of people are jobs. So, I mean, idiot. It's the right idiot, moron. Idiots. It's the right. You're not smart. It's got electrolytes. All right. It's the rate. It's not the percentage of people. It's the rate within a percentage. Okay. Did I make that clear? It's the rate. Yes. Thank you. So this is from Walgreens. This is their corporate data that they release. I don't know why they release this, but I'm glad they do. This is June 22nd, the week of June 22nd to the 28th. So just in the last week. Not jabbed. 26.3% 26.3% tested positive for COVID. One dose of jab, 34.5% tested positive for COVID. Two doses, more than five months ago, 33.7% tested positive for COVID. Two doses less than five months ago, 21.5%. So here's what that means. The added risk that you're taking on by getting reoccurring injections Here's what you got for that. You went from a 26% uh, likelihood of testing positive if you were unjabbed, according to Walgreens data, to 21.5. That, that, that's all you got for that, for, for risking reoccurring injections of that spike protein. That's all the added efficacy you received. And which, which, by the way, gets erased because you'll just have to do it again every five months. You see my point? So you're not getting anything out of this. If you had three doses, three doses more than five months ago, 36.7% tested positive. Three doses less than five months ago, 25%. See the pattern there? You'll ha- Remember when I said last September on this show, make your decision now. Either get in line with the therapeutics and the options we have compiled for you or get jabbed. Those are your options because if you don't have therapeutics, they're going to jab so much the virus won't go away. And the people that will keep getting the jabs, you won't, this won't be, I'll just take the Janssen vaccine once to keep my job. You'll be taking these over and over and over again. That data shows this. The worst performing stratified data in this chart are the people who got the booster and then didn't get another one. You'll just have to keep risking the risk profile over and over again. You'll never get off it. It's heroin. This portion of the show, not brought to you by heroin. Brought to you by our friends over at Bill Bar, who are heroines, if you get the transition that I made there. Because they created the absolute greatest protein bar of all time and chocolate chip cookie dough chunk is coming back, folks. It's coming back. America is about to be great again. But hey, 
If you can't wait, you need a refill, that's okay. They have so many other great flavors. Well, they have all the other great flavors, and then some are just greater than others because it's the greatest protein bar you've ever had. You will not believe this thing is 130, 150 calories. You know, it varies by bar. You won't believe it. And you won't believe it's got that much flavor, all covered in real chocolate, but not packed with carbs and sugar grams and calories. It's the greatest protein bar ever. Use my last name, Dace, as your promo code. Get 15% off right now when you check out at Built.com for Built Bar. That's Built.com, B-U-I-L-T, Built.com for Built Bar. Promo code Dace to get 15% off today. Let's continue on with Feedback Friday. Aaron Bland writes, My wife is on the precipice of of the third trimester of our first child, so I have three non-political questions for you fellas. Ready? Number one, for all three of you, any good general advice for a new dad? Um, number one, love their mom the best you can. Number two, um, show them that the reason rules and values are in place in the home are because they come from God and not from you. Because you won't, they're little camcorders, man. And they got those things running the minute they come out. They're gonna every time that every time your knickers are down that you thought you got away with it, they're gonna see it all. They see it all. It's like what Han Solo says in The Force Awakens. Women always know. Okay. The kids see everything. They like see everything, hear everything. You won't hide anything from them. And so they're gonna see you at your worst over the course of your time as their dad. So if you allow yourself to be the standard, you're setting yourself up for a Billy Joel song when they're about 14 or winger. When they're 17, don't, okay? Be very honest where the values and the morals in the home come from because you have to hold yourself as equally accountable too when you fall. Those would be the first two pieces of advice I would have. Gentlemen, you want to add anything? Uh, Have clear standards and then let them see you fight for them publicly. If it's just words and they never see you fight for them, they'll learn to do the same and the standards will mean nothing. So this question is about new dads, right? Um, yes. Just, I, I would say the biggest thing is don't be afraid. Just don't be afraid. Don't even think about that. Don't even think about being afraid. Don't even think about being nervous. Uh, the birthing process, you will be uh, very stressed, but at all times, at all times, this begins very, very early. Especially now, it's really, really tempting to, for me to go home now that Ben's crawling and trying to headbutt dad all the time uh, and play. It's really tempting for me to just go over to him and just play with him and, and forget, oh, hey, I have a wife right here has been, uh, you know, needs some attention as well at all times, all times. Giving birth, newborn at home, put her, put her first, always above yourself and above the little baby as well. And just don't, don't, don't even think about being afraid. Yeah, it can, it can be nerve wracking, but they need you. They need you. Both of them need you more than you need to think about the nerves or the anxiety or what have you. Question two for Stephen Todd specifically, any good advice for a daughter dad? One of the best compliments my wife ever gave me when our daughters were both very young, she said to me, and I mean, I can quote it to you because that's how much I internalize this. You're making it very hard for future boyfriends and husbands. Meaning I was setting the standard of, of love, nurture, and adoration so high that few men were going to be able to reach it. Yes, absolutely. 
um, because few men are worthy of uh, reaching them. So, yeah, I'm going to raise that standard very, very high of what they expect to receive from the most important man in their life. You bet I am. Oh. Amen to that. Well, in this culture, you know, it, it, it didn't start at the beginning with any grand four-dimensional chess. It was just a uh, duh. But uh, I feel called uh, as much as anything in my life to be a father of specifically girls as a father of four of them. I'm, it seems to be my destiny, and that just becomes clear the more we don't even know what a girl is. But from the beginning, there's that you don't we're not, you, play soccer, which wasn't by design, you know, be athletic, all those things, but be unapologetically a young woman and start embracing all of uh, that which that means. Uh, it's it's been a joy uh, to be a part of that. But you 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 it's it's going to be have to be more intentional. I don't mean heavy handed, but you're just up against a level of unreality that you ha- there's no time to waste. I mean, from the beginning, that is your little girl. That is not your little question mark. Play the game accordingly. Hmm. And then the final question for Stephen Aaron, because I already know Todd's answer. When your children got their initial vaccines as babies, were there any particular ones you opted out of or suggested should be opted out of? For us, um, we we be, before our kids were born, there was a big controversy, or right around the time that our oldest was born, there was a big. Con- this is when the controversy about the HPV vaccine began to emerge. And the idea of giving little girls these kinds of vaccines or even giving them to boys. And we just thought it was beyond preposterous without even doing any deeper research on it than just that. We just thought, well, that's preposterous. Because it is. Because it is. And so we just made the decision from the very beginning as a couple that there was no point to giving our kids anything beyond the traditional vaccine cocktail that we received when we were kids growing up. And so... And that was, we just made that decision without any further investigation or even, we just thought beyond that, a lot of this is probably just a cash grab. Those are, so that's how we operated. We, I would just say, do not, do not follow the CDC schedule. And yeah, I'm empowered to make that statement because I'm, you know, I'm a parent of of the, do not follow that schedule if you get, uh, vaccines at all. I know we're not doing the HPV one. I can't remember all of the ones that we're opting out of, but we're also doing the ones that we are doing. We're doing on a very, very delayed schedule because some of these are like, all right, you're going to get uh, two or three uh, cocktail here on one month uh, and then come back uh, two weeks later and you'll get another cocktail. And then two weeks later you'll get, no, we're doing like, I think every other month, if even that uh, for, for his vaccinations. Uh, do we have time for another one? Let me see. If oh, I can and find, find yourself if you can, if you have one available, find yourself a functional medicine family clinic, and if you can afford it, our the one that we go to here, it's pretty affordable. I think it's actually what the one that you go, your family is goes it integrated to. family medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. find yourself one of those if you can. Let me see if I can find a short one here because we only got like what three minutes. Yep. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to do this instead so that we're actually ahead of schedule in the next segment. Um. Instead, let's talk about viciously loyal clothing because I can't promise when we put up the picture of the dude, I can't promise you're going to look as good as him, but these are really good looking uh, shirts. 
uh, shirts, tank tops, tank tops, tank tops. Again, man, is it is it is it the weekend yet? Shirts, t-shirts, tank tops, hats. They got a lot of cool swag, and it's made uh, from a long line of service men and women who uh, obviously served their country and their communities with purpose. And now they have a purpose-driven business as well. If you want to check out their catalog, some really cool stuff when you go to viciouslyloyal.com. That's viciouslyloyal.com. And I'm guessing you're going to see some things there because they have a lot of really unique colors too. And I like that. So uh, you're going to see some stuff you want. So when I get 20% off as well with the promo code Steve at checkout. Promo code Steve, my first name at checkout for 20% off. When you go to viciouslyloyal.com and check out the catalog. Again, check out the catalog at viciouslyloyal.com. All right, because I'm in a mood, and it has been a long day and we all have senioritis, I, I have been debating whether I was going to read and respond to a note. And I decided, you know what? Today's actually a good day to do it because I'm feeling a little flighty. It's been a long day. We've been here since... 7.30 this morning, right? Doing mm-hmm. Beck's show and everything else. So I'm feeling kind of flighty. So I've got a question, Todd, from one of your fellow Catholics that wants to wants to come at me over Sola Scriptura. Fun. And... I think I'm in a I think I'm in a good place to to tackle this one right come, now. Come at you. Do you view this as a fair within oh, bounds? Oh yeah, I'm not, not, okay. I'm, I'm not like well, offended. No. Yeah, well, no, but other people yeah. are like, hey, days. Yeah, you still burning in hell over the you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not like offended. No, no, it's okay. a good question. So, it's okay. a it's a good question, and uh, I'm in a mood. I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a good place to answer Let's it today. Do this because I am in I am in a good mood, so I'm in a good place to answer it, and right. I'm kind of feeling you know flighty because it's been a long day so who knows what crazy stuff i might say when we come back the truth straight no chaser steve dace on the blaze radio network So that the world may know, this is Steve Dace. If you're a dog owner, you know that taking care of that furry little thing means a lot more than just giving it food and water. It's a big part of your family. I told our dog Cap yesterday, and he just nodded at me. I'm sure he understood that I should have named him expensive. I mean, the amount of care I am expected to pay for and put into that kid from our, or that kid, Freudian slip, from that dog from our kids is nuts. Okay. All right. But you know what, though? Um, the problem is the food that you're feeding that dog probably has the same problems that your food does. So a lot of the people food is stripped of the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients we really need for long shelf life, mass distribution. That's why as humans, we're taking so many supplements these days. Same thing happens to the pet food before it ever leaves the factory, too. That's why they've got a supplement now, and it's called Rough Greens. You mix it in with your pet's food and put the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients it needs right back into its diet. But you might be wondering, 
what if this actually, I don't, it's expensive and uh, it doesn't do anything for my pet or my pet doesn't like it. Well, one way to find out is if we give you the first 14 day Jumpstart bag for free, we will ask you to pay for the shipping. So you have some investment in this equation. All right. Cause we do want you to try it. Not just send out a bunch of free stuff that sits on a shelf and never gets used. We think this stuff really works and it's good for your pet. Our dog cap loves this stuff. If you want to try it for your dog, roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com. Or you can call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG. That's 833-ROUGH-DOG. All right, let's get back to some Feedback Friday. Bill Rogers says, I often marvel, Steve, at how smart you are. You grasp things that most people do not. With that in mind, I also marvel how someone as brilliant as you are embraces Sola Scriptura. Where in Scripture do you find that, if, that, if you, only, that you only should believe the Bible? I assume that Todd has discussed with you that uh, we as Catholics, what we think about as tradition, about tradition. And that tradition is also important. And Jesus established his church on earth, placing Peter as its first leader. I'm not looking for a confrontation. I am truly curious. These are great questions. I mean, we did like a whole year worth of shows on this back in 2017 for the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. We, we went with Todd and I kind of going back and forth on all these topics mm-hmm. from a, a, a learned Catholic and a learned layman Catholic and a learned layman Protestant perspective. And so we're fine having these questions anytime that you want. We're not offended at it when you guys ask us these questions. We're far more concerned you're going to get offended at the answer. Okay? But you can ask us these kinds of things anytime you want. In short, um, it is very true that sola scriptura is not in the Bible. There are, there are, however, to use your own phrase, several Christian traditions that in a very literal sense are not located in the Bible. For example, Mary is not worshipped as a venerated being specifically in the Bible. There is no baptism of infants specifically in the Bible. The word Trinity does not appear specifically in the Bible. The word rapture does not appear specifically in the Bible. The age of accountability where a child is not responsible for its sins until it reaches a certain age is not in the Bible. Now, I've, I've, I picked here a, I, I picked on purpose, a selection of traditions that come from either Protestant or Catholic circles. So the question is, if there is not a specific reference to something, is there specific evidence of something? Right? So sola scriptura is not specifically said in the Bible. However, sola Christos, sola fide, which you as Catholics also believe, that's the word sola fide and and sola, I'm sorry, sola Christos are not in the Bible. Actually, Catholics disagree with us on sola fide. That's the other one. So sola Christos, not in the Bible. Yet we both agree that there is no atonement that satisfies God's wrath other than Christ at the cross, correct? Mm -hmm. And so... These are terms that we came up with to describe traditions we have based on what we think is the evidence that derives from the scriptures. You don't believe that Peter is the first bishop of the church because of an archaeological find. You believe that Peter is the first bishop of the church because Christ looked at him and said, or said, depending on how you translate the word rock or Cephas, upon this rock, you, I will build my church. And not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. And then in accordance with that, the early church 
looked at and deferred to Peter as its very first leader. We see that in the book of Acts, for example. So it wasn't like an archaeological find. And one day there was like a list of, you know, church officials. And it said Peter was first bishop. Is that where the evidence comes from? No, you guys take your evidence from the Bible for this, correct? Partially, yes. Yeah, that's, you guys think you're rightly dividing the word of God uh, in order to come to that conclusion. And that's where that tradition comes from. Same thing with the Trinity. Jesus said to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them, teaching them the commands I have given you. Okay? Um, the word Trinity does not appear. The doctrine of the Trinity is everywhere throughout the New Testament. An entire book of the New Testament, which we did a Bible study of a few years ago, not coincidentally. I didn't pick that one randomly. I picked it on purpose. Colossians, uh, it, it teaches what's called a Christology, which means it teaches the specific divine revelation of Jesus Christ, that he is he is the physical manifestation of the Trinity. He is God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. So the question isn't where sola scriptura is in the Bible. The question is, is there adequate and sufficient evidence for sola scriptura? The Bible says that all of scripture is God breathed. It says that about all of scripture. It doesn't say that about all of tradition. It doesn't say that about all of church teaching. It says that about the Bible. It says that about the scriptures. Now, I'm someone as an evangelical, by the way, that thinks we've made a tremendous mistake in going too far the other way in vanquishing tradition altogether. I have said that many times over the years. I've said it, with, I've said it from the pulpits of evangelical churches when I preached. I don't believe that tradition is equal in authority to the scriptures, but I absolutely believe that it has some authority that there is absolute wisdom to be found in learning from Athanasius, Arrhenius, Augustine, Eusebius, I absolutely John of Damascus in an era where we confront Islam and John of Damascus at the advent of Islam was having debates with sheikhs and caliphs throughout the, uh, the, the region at the time and learning from those uh, situations uh, and seeing how the gospel was lived out in formative years and by formative leaders I think there's absolutely value in that. And I think that we have provided, frankly, an insufficient catechesis within the Protestant church by not providing for that on any level whatsoever. A couple of weeks ago at our evangelical church, our pastor made a reference to Polycarp. I will guarantee you the vast majority of the people in that church had never heard that name before. Didn't know what a Polycarp was. Is that a detergent at Costco? I don't know what that is. What is it? I go get that out in the Des Moines River and then throw it back because it's too small. A polycarp, what is it? What is that? I don't know. It's a very important figure, pivotal figure in the early history of the church. So ultimately what you and I, as, a, as you as a Catholic and me as a Protestant, this conclusion you and I came to when we were discussing this during the Reformation anniversary, is really this is a question of ecclesiology more than theology. What is the authority? Because the other, the other things on tradition that we would disagree with each other on come from a different question of ecclesiology, meaning that a Protestant won't perform certain functions because they're not explicitly demanded in the scriptures or found there, in their reading of them. Or a Catholic will do so because they believe that they are somewhat revealed there or perhaps fully revealed in church teaching or tradition. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure I don't take anybody out of context here. Okay. But that's ultimately the question. Even in fact, for the ultimate source of the, of the authority of the scriptures, I would actually go to Christ himself. 
says in the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. That not only is Jesus God incarnate, he is the Word of God incarnate. There is no higher authority in the universe on matters of wisdom and revelation than the Word of God. So we would derive, and I mean, we could do like, I know that some of my Protestant brethren are going to send me 87 paragraph notes. You forgot this and that and that. I mean, guys, I mean, I got eight minutes and 14 seconds left. Okay. I mean, this guy, Bill, you asked me a great question, but you asked me a question that our two camps have been arguing about for 500 years and I had 10 minutes to answer. So I'm giving my best shot. Okay. Uh, But I'll, I'll rest my case at this point. Do you want to add anything before I move on? Oh, once again, as always, that is Steve's nothing but incredibly fair about the starting with the fact if you're turning in for the first time and haven't heard me say this, but one of the specific I worked for him for roughly a year, memory serves, before I was actually on air with him. And one of the decisions to bring me on air, he could tell you all of them, but one of them was because I was Catholic. So he's he's in any so he not not as a like a whipping boy obviously he he wants that to he knows how many catholics watch this and the catholics like you who just wrote him this letter and appreciate all he does for the cause of uh western uh civilization you know not tanking on our watch uh i would simply say that it's not when i talk about scripture it's not what isn't said from a catholic point of view it actually what is you know if you just take one moment the luke himself says there are many other things that are not written here uh, and then just post Easter, if you if you in the book of Acts, to me, like there's just so many moments throughout the book of Acts that, that I think just need to be dealt with uh, that are they're not f- fleshed out as if you are a, um, you know, a, a post uh, grand St. Peter's uh, Catholic, but there, it's just. It, there's obviously an intent, a structure that is far more implied. It's it's just exactly what does that look like? And Catholics themselves have believed that that looks different throughout time. So it's I'm glad you asked the questions. And more than the point, Steve is always glad you ask these questions. Yeah, I love these questions. Just here's my caution. If you want me to answer more specific questions about things that, because let me backtrack for a second. This isn't a church show. That's not what the blaze signed me to do. Okay. Um, It just so happens that it often sounds like that because that I analyze the events that the blaze hired me to analyze through a biblical worldview lens. Okay, but it, so it it's unintentionally theological from a blaze from the blaze's standpoint. Meaning the the blaze didn't. We're going to do theology today with Steve Dace. That's not the show, right? Okay, right. no, no. But because I because to do the task they asked me to do would require for me to engage my theological beliefs. Okay, that it comes across that way unintentionally, right? And so. We can build a very diverse audience religiously, even within, you know, theistic, monotheistic or Judeo-Christian circles. That is not meant, though, to 
paper mache over or pretend as if real sincere differences that matter don't exist. It's just that our show's format isn't the primary place for them. However, in moments like this, if you guys are curious, you want us to address things or you want us to know what we think about things, we're happy to do that. All we would ask, though, if you ask us questions like this, we don't take offense to them. Just don't take offense to our answers. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Uh, It's just a two-way street, you know? So, because I know there's there's a lot of earnest and honest curiosity about this stuff because, frankly, we haven't been taught it. We don't really know. And what I find often is the disagreements that a lot of my Protestant friends have with Catholics are stereotypes of, 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 or straw men arguments against Catholicism, not archetypes. Those are different things. Archetypes and stereotypes are different things. So I'm totally fine arguing with the archetypes, but I don't want to argue with stereotypes. And let's love our neighbors. We love ourselves. We wouldn't want them arguing against stereotypes of us either, right? So that's all. And one thing about Protestants that they are right, and I guarantee you, Steve might start weighing and measuring differently because he said it himself. You you want him to start considering the Catholic take on things more seriously? How about us Catholics start taking it more seriously in every way? We talk about the, the 50-50 vote, which not specific to any one election, but over the causes we're arguing about now is just a sign of utter chaos and confusion with with uh, one bishop here uh, taking away communion and the, the Pope, in fact, then turning around and giving it uh, to Nancy Pelosi. And again, we're not arguing in the margins in the gray areas. It's like some hidden sin from 50 years. You were, they're talking about the Catholics saying up, sin, sin, as hard and, and deviously right. uh, as you can. Burn it all to the ground. And here we're like, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's just the way of things. Yeah, why, why on earth? You- so since you went there, if you and I were not friends and we were just on a debate stage, the Catholic and Protestant yeah. perspective— the first thing I'm just telling you I'd come back with is come back to me about your magisterium when yeah. Nancy Pelosi yes. doesn't get communion from the Pope. Yes. Then then we'll talk. Yes. Show me that you're actually serious right. about your about your own leadership structure cuz what you what you call leadership I just call another bureaucracy yeah. and frankly I'm tired of them. Amen. If I if my if my Protestant church goes nuts, I can just leave it and yeah. go somewhere else. Okay? So um, I mean, what is the point of all of this tradition, all of these layers of, 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 of guideposts and watchmen, if in the end, Nancy Pelosi gets on a plane, flies halfway across the damn world yeah. and to get around her own bishop and has the Pope himself deliver her communion right after Roe v. Wade is overturned or right around the time where he still is silent about it. What is the point of that? I, what, 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 so when, when, when you figure that part of it out, yeah. when the guy, when, when the guy you tell me is the first bishop is, is, is the, is, is in, is the, is the line of descendancy from uh, St. Peter starts acting like it. Okay. Then you, then we'll have a conversation. If we weren't as friendly and we weren't, and we weren't trying to maintain a relationship here and it was just pure go for the win in the argument. Yeah. That's ex- what you said is exactly the card I would play. And you'd be right. I'd be what, where does our moral authority come from when we want to, or we're afraid to display it ourselves? Any final thoughts before we get out of here today, guys? Aaron, you want to say something? we got about a minute left. Um, you know, I think, I think you should reconsider something, Steve. 
Maybe Todd should be a whipping boy with a literal whip. I think a lot of people would find that entertaining. You mentioned that you didn't bring him in as a whipping boy. No. Should Watching try me that? whip Todd? Yeah. Are you getting emails from Lindsey Graham? No, I'm just saying that, I don't know, might bring a new element layer to the show. We're going to go now. It's beer 30. <laughs> Sean 317. You're listening to Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.